right, guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. I am joined today with just my co-host, Cade. How are you? I'm doing good, man. We just wrapped up a good few weeks filled with some really, really solid guests. It had been a while since uh, it was time for a book review, so I'm excited. Just the two of us today going over a really important book, uh, a really good read, so I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This is uh, We're coming up on some of the last podcasts before my wedding. Um, definitely right. been dealing with a lot of that stress and headache, but uh, I read this book maybe a month and a half ago or two months ago. And we had talked about reviewing it on the podcast before we even had talked about Traction, our last book review. So I think this is a good follow-up to Traction um, because it's going to be about habits. So I'll introduce the book real quick. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, Kate and I have been focusing more on almost like manual books, like how-to books, because we think that there's a lot of self-help uh, that's kind of jargon and, and nonsense. It doesn't give you... Um, you know, like easy to follow tasks, right? So this book's going to be more like a user manual on how to build your life to be what you want it to be um, through incremental progression. Yeah, I think the the user manual type books, and even when we've done standalone podcasts like, you know, our follow-up blueprint, which was kind of like a user manual for follow-up, um, I think we've gotten really good feedback from listeners and from our from our listener and base, right? So books like these, I think it's always really, just for me personally, they're easier for me to read than something that might not follow that type of format. Uh, Just because it's easy to take these things, okay, here's what you need to do, here's how to do it, and here's how you implement it, right? There's no excuses on not doing it because it tells you, right there, plain as day, how to do it and how to apply it. Yeah. Our goal today is going to be to actually break down just like the formula he gives on how to set up uh, habits. And then the other part to this is going to be talking about kind of some of the mindset shifts that need to happen to make this a reasonably uh, helpful book. Now, let's jump into some of the previous books we've listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, We've listened to books about financial growth. We've listened to books about uh, social growth, negotiation growth. Uh, even business growth, right? So all of those things, they're kind of niched down into one subject. The value of Atomic Habits is that it's actually going to talk about something that we can apply to every single aspect of life. I think you and I are going to try to give some examples uh, for each each uh, section of life, you know, but, yep. you know, the book is written with the intent that this is going to help you in every form. So let's just jump into it a little bit here. I have a uh, summary up in front of us because unfortunately... The way that my life is right now, we didn't have time to set up some notes. So if we sound a little bit um, slower today, it's just because we want to make sure that we articulate this correctly. So let's jump into like, what is a habit? Um, essentially, the book talks about a habit being a cue, a crave, a uh, response, and then a reward, right? So let's talk about it. What's a cue, Cade? Yeah, something that... Uh, a- cue kind of like a like a trigger right whether it's you know the feeling the environment the familiarity right something exactly like you said where boom this cues something that then goes into i need to do this to then get this reward right yeah and a cue can be subliminal right so like a lot of the times it could be a location or a time mm-hmm. those are the two biggest things so i think it's really important for people who are sitting here saying like okay i really have been struggling with this bad habit maybe the first thing to look at and dissect is going to be where am I and what time is it? So for example, I mean, when you're, uh, when you go 
uh, wake up in the morning and you pick up your phone, probably what most people do, the first thing they do is scroll through their phone on social media. Well, maybe it's because every morning in, in bed at the same time every morning, right after you've turned off your alarm, you scroll on your phone. You've developed a cue. When I pick up my phone, I scroll, right? So I think um, let's break down that even more. If you wanted to break a bad habit like that, you'd change your location or your time, right? Yeah. So whether it's something I've done is having, because a lot of people have their phone, you know, right next to them, whether it's on the end table, either, you know, in the bed with them, right on the charger. Um, I, I haven't changed my physical location, but what I've done that I found helpful is taking the phone and putting it all the way across the room, right? Like on my desk somewhere or on my dresser. And changing just the location of, of the phone itself, even though I'm still waking up at the same time in my bed, the phone, uh, you know, which is that, you know, the source of the habit, the location is now moved. And that just by that has helped me with that same exact thing. Right. I know we're all guilty of it I right, in it. some way or, or another. Right. It, it, but that was a big thing that helped me with that, even though, you know, I still do it. But yeah. Um, being able to change that location, change and, and shuffle things up, right? To make it not so, because like you said, you wake up, it, then it just becomes automatic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, your brain's telling you, you wake up, oh, there's my alarm, boom, there's my phone, boom, here's social media, boom, I'm going to sit here for five, 10 minutes in bed before I get up to get ready, right? And then you go through all your apps in a certain order that you go through, right? So being able to shuffle things around, break things up that way, either with location or time, like you said, can be really helpful. Cool. So we kind of touched on cue. Craving is going to be the thing that follows a cue, right? So a lot of us are going to confuse cue and craving. Cue is an external thing that causes us to have a craving. Our craving might be that I see cookies on the counter. I wasn't thinking about eating cookies when I walked in, but now that I see them, I want them, right? Or maybe I walk into the house and I see the remote control and now I want to you know, play video games or watch TV. Mm-hmm. Although when I got home, I had all these plans, other things I wanted to do. So you know, a cue can be changed. A craving is a response to a cue. So we're just setting you up to understand kind of the psychology of what this method looks like. Yeah. Um, your response is going to be how you respond to their craving, right? So a lot of people think that good habits come from really good self-control. The book makes a really good argument that actually the people who have really, really good habits are not better at self-control. They just remove cues so that they don't have cravings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, it's funny because cravings, the example I think of is, uh, like you mentioned, you walk in the house, you weren't thinking about cookies all day, but then you walk in and you see them on the counter and you're like, oh yeah, I'll have one or two. Those look really good. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, the same thing can happen when you're on your phone right? Whether it's, uh, food, whether it's, you know, a shopping habit, right? You see something pop up on your phone on social media. Oh, that looks really good. I I need a new shirt. I need some new shorts. Oh, those look really good. I'm going to, you know what? In the craving to then go and do that thing, whether it's eating the cookie or buying the shirt or whatever it is. Right. No. And and so again, you don't have to, the response is a response to your Craving, craving, which is a response to your cue. cue. <laughs> so again, we're trying to just remind you, this is how a habit becomes. Now, reward is the last part. Mm-hmm. A reward is exactly that. It's a dopamine hit, right? So when you eat the cookie, it tastes good. When you sit down and watch TV, you're entertained. When you uh, go to bed 
or you sleep in, uh, you know, you get extra rest, right? It doesn't mean that it's good for you. It's just it feels good. And often the thing that feels good in the moment is not the thing that will feel good later, right? So you eat the cookie, you get heavier, and then you become upset because you're overweight. Mm -hmm. If you're watching TV, you don't get stuff done, so you become less productive. You're sleeping in, so you miss appointments, or you're a little bit more groggy in the morning, and thus you're not having as good of a day. It's an inverse relationship most of the time, right? Would you agree? A hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. And, you know, the book talks about right a, a lot of um you know the the rush of this habit co- comes in the craving stage right like you mentioned at when you're at the reward stage it may feel good in the moment and you know the dopamine hit that you get there m- might be good right but in the long term or even in, in the craving stage it, it it like doesn't meet your expectations or it doesn't it you have this grand expectation of what it's going to feel like, what you're going to feel like, what, how it's going to taste and or in any of this stuff. Right. right. But then shortly after really at most of the time, it doesn't even live up to what your expectation was right after that dopamine hit. Right. You spend your whole week looking forward to the weekend and you're like, dude, this weekend's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then you go to the weekend and it's just a weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. And, by the end of the weekend, you realized you didn't really do what you said you were going to do. And now you're already on Monday waiting for the next weekend, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So we kind of broke down like what a habit looks like, right? Let's, before we even talk about necessarily the four key rules of building the habit, let's talk about the incremental growth and the yes. compounding interest mm-hmm. of setting up habits. Um, everybody that we know, including ourselves, has been taught that you have to do something drastic to make a big change and we feel like you have to do something crazy and outlandish a huge change to your lifestyle to make certain things happen the book makes a really good point that if instead of trying to make a 50 percent gain in one day you make a one percent gain every day for the next 50 days the one percent gain is a much easier and realistic method and it will still net you the same outcome does that seem fair Yes, absolutely. And one of the examples that I think the book outlined that, you know, I, I think is helpful is let, talking about this incremental. It, let's use the example of if you want to read more, right? You, you're not a reader. Um, you're not going through any of these self-help books. You, you want to read a book like Atomic Habits, right? But every time you've tried to read a book, every you, you it's just not something you've been able to to do right in your mind you're telling yourself it's not something you've been able to do that incremental you know process is being able to okay let's sit here let's start with one page let's start with one page a day and being able to tie that into your routine somewhere right like right after you brush your teeth and you're getting ready for bed you read your one page right before you go to bed Right. Being able to tie it in somewhere that is already routine like that. Right. But being able to start with that one page. Right. Then that one page may turn into two pages. Now, all of a sudden, reading two pages is only the addition of one more page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think like there was a really good if you're not going to read this book, uh, I'm sorry, because you're going to miss out on a lot of really easy and good examples. But, for example, the British racing team, the Mm -hmm. biking team at the very first chapter talks about. When they, when their head coach took over in 2007, they hadn't won a Tour de France or any major medals in 100 years. Within six years, they won five Tour de France's. 
because they changed every little aspect of their setup by about 1%, right? So that was, they painted the inside of their van white so they could see dust so that it wouldn't get in the gears of the bikes. They tested the quality of the materials they were wearing for their suits and changed that by just a little bit. They changed their workout plans by monitoring muscle recovery. They changed the recovery by monitoring the uh, massages that they were giving. And all of a sudden, these 1% changes were like compound interest. And over time, they became very dominant for 10 years, right? So it was like the biggest run in biking history. Well, they didn't make any change. It's not like they all of a sudden drastically changed one, you know, one big thing. They instead changed everything by just a little bit, monitored it, and then it, it showed results a lot quicker, right? Yeah, I, I really like the comparison to like compound interest, right? Because when, when people talk about that, they think, you know, immediately to money, right? Or, or investments, right? And, and growing it that way. But being able to take, you know, that similar concept of, you know, compounding or incremental, um, you know, like growth. that growth and then applying it to whatever habit or whatever thing you are trying to grow. I think it's an important concept for people right. to grasp and people usually don't think of it in that way. So I, I think the book starting out with that and kind of laying the groundwork for the rest of the book by laying this out in the open by, uh, you know, going into that incremental growth, I think was really good. Well, and like he, there's also just simple math. If you get 1% better each day, mm -hmm. by the end of a year, you're going to be 37 times better. And if you are getting worse by 1% a day, you're rapidly approaching zero. So, you know, the thought of, okay, each day we're going to move to get slightly better, not try to make some dramatic change that often we fall off the boat, right? Absolutely. Okay. So before we go into the next thing, I want to talk about, let's talk about real quick what the book says about goals, right? When, when they're outlining this. Okay. Because I don't want people to be thrown off if you do go and read and listen to the book. When you go and read it. When, yes, as you should be. So... The book, it, it's funny, I couldn't help but laugh. The book was really uh, bullish and really looked down upon actual goals and goal setting, right? Um, and, and that's where this whole thing with the incremental growth started, right? So um, I, I want to make it clear, and I, we were talking before the podcast that you know we, we were on the same page where the, these incremental growth habits, right? The, these things that you're doing in order to help you uh, grow to be more successful, right? They should be complementary to your goal setting, right? right? You should still be having goals, right? We were talking in our traction book review, right? It was the three-year, 10-year goal, also the yearly, the annual goal, right? I think quarterly rocks. Quarterly rocks, exactly. Having, being able to have these things be complementary to each other, in our opinion, is going to be a lot bigger of a vehicle for success than if you're just using one or just using the other. I view it this way. You tell me if you think this is good. Goals are like the North star of where you want to go. They're going to be your guiding light. And then your habits are going to be the steps that you take to actually get there. When you're building out a goal, you are deciding where you want to end up a destination. You can't get lost in the destination. What you're going to use your goals to do is you're going to value them are they getting me closer or further away? Or excuse me, habits, are, are they getting me closer or further away to my goal? Mm -hmm. And if they're getting me closer, how can I improve it by 1%? And if they're taking me further away, how can I decrease it, 
right? So ideally, it's a complementary relationship. You need to have an idea of where you're going, and habits will help get you there. You can't climb a cliff. You have to take steps, right? So I don't think that it's bad. Obviously, you have to have systems. Habits are systems, but goals are destinations. You have to have a guiding light. That's 100%. how I see it. I, yes, I love that analogy. I agree 100%, right? Cool. Now that we've got that out of the air, I think we agree with pretty much everything else in the book. Mm -hmm. So let's look at how to set up a goal, right? The main key here, if you want to do something consistently over a long period of time, which is needed, if you're only going to improve 1% a day, you have to keep improving by 1% a day. So you can't, you know, go backwards. If you start something, you can't stop it. The first thing you have to do is make it obvious. Humans are, uh, they result in mostly just acting off of what they see, what they feel. We are responsive creatures. We're not proactive. You want to kind of share some of maybe some examples? So what I think of with that is I, I want to backtrack a little bit too, right? With, with making it obvious, the book, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but making it obvious one of the things that I do and one of the things that the book also outlined was verbalizing it, right? Being able to speak it out in the open. If Call you are it, exactly right. So the example I want to use and, and tie in is let's just use a real estate investor example, right? Say you are a new real estate investor. You have no experience going and lead generating, right? And you may have mentors or, or everybody telling you, I, obviously you're not, you know, outsourcing the call. You got to sit down and you got to make your calls, right? That can be really overbearing. I know when I started sitting down from nine to 11 every single day and making hundreds, if not thousands, like <laughs> it was a lot. How, how am I, you, you know, cause if you go in, how are you going to make that sustainable? Right? So being able to verbalize it and tell myself, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make my calls from nine to 11 and I'm going to hit X amount or I'm going to get X amount of leads, right? Being able to verbalize it and making it obvious to yourself, putting it out in the open yeah. uh, was really helpful and I think would be really helpful. Yeah. Our brains are like supercomputers for finding patterns, right? Mm -hmm. So the key here is you're going to set it up where your body automatically acknowledges what's going to happen next. The point and call is really good because it's a way of like verbalizing what you're going to do. You and I still do it. They talk about the Japanese bullet train and how they have a call and point method. They say, you know, clear and they point to make sure that there's nobody on the, uh, on the, uh, I don't know. What would you call that? What the train station, like edge. What was it? Platform. Platform. Thank you. And, uh, you know, it's like for us, the way we apply it to our business, for example, you and I will come in and one of us will say, I'm going to do follow-up right now. Is that okay? It's both acknowledging to the other person what we're about to do and clearing to make sure that you're not going to have any distractions, right? So you're making it obvious to your body. Now you've told yourself, this is what I'm going to do. You're not going to stop until you're done. For example, if I want to wake up earlier, I'm going to say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 6 a.m. I say it out loud and I set the alarm, right? And then... I'm making it obvious to myself, right? In this case, an alarm is a super obvious thing. But let's go back to maybe your reading example. If you wanted to start reading Atomic Habits and you have a really bad time starting reading, 
maybe what you can do is when you wake up in the morning and you make your bed, because that was a different book we read, you make your bed. And part of making your bed, when I put the pillow on my bed, I'm going to grab my Atomic Habits book and put it where I am going to sit down when I go to bed tonight. You have now set up an obvious cue that when you walk into your room that night, maybe you had a long day, maybe you're tired, maybe you just worked out, maybe whatever, you're going to see Atomic Habits and you're going to say, I'm going to read one page because I said I was going to read one page. Is that a good example? A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So first step, make it obvious. Now let's do the inverse of that. <laughs> if you have a bad habit, make it very unobvious. Make it hard to find. If, if you want to eat ice cream, make it difficult to eat ice cream. Hide it in the back of the freezer, right? Don't buy the ice cream. Make yourself, yeah, <laughs> maybe you have a rule. It's not financially good to go, go out to eat your ice cream every time you go, right? It's going to be more expensive. But if you have to walk to go get your ice cream every single time you want it, you're not going to eat it as often. Maybe when you are finished watching television, put the remote in a difficult-to-get place. Maybe if you're short, put it up high. If you're tall, put it down low. Or if you're really crazy, like when you're done with your video games, take the entire console and unplug it and put it in the game closet. Mm -hmm. So that when you walk in the house, you don't see the console. You have to actively seek it out. Yeah. I think uh, it's an interesting inverse, right? Because not only does the book outline how to build really good habits, but obviously as people who, you know, as humans, uh, all of us have got at least one, a bad habit, You've, right? We've all got hundreds. Ex exactly. So I, I think being able to take all of these things about the bad habits, right? And I like the example of ice cream because I... I inherently am a snacker right i i my house struggles with that <laughs> i i am a big snacker so like you were saying one moving it putting it a place that is not normal not putting it in its normal place in the pantry where it might be right or like i mentioned just all together don't spend your money to go out and buy the shit that you know is unhealthy for you or is not going to be good right because i i'll admit it i guarantee when i go for the bag of chips the idea of eating that bag of chips and then actively eating the bag of chips for the reward. And then how I feel immediately after you're like, crap, I should not have eaten that bag of chips. I should not have eaten that tub of ice cream, right? It was the idea of eating those chips, the idea of the feeling it would give for it. Not really feeling like it's that. It's just like that <laughs> weekend example. Yes. The idea <laughs> of it is better than the actual thing mm -hmm. because we know as adults, which most of our listeners are either late high school, early college, or early into their work life, we know what needs to be done. We've been parented the last 25 years. So we know that when we eat the chips, we're going to scold ourselves the same way our parents would have, right? Now, here's a different thought. On top of hiding the things that are difficult for you, replace them with things that are good for you. For example... I have a really bad habit that you're going to laugh when I say it out loud. I spend $3.45 every single day on a black cup of coffee. I have two Keurigs in my house <laughs> right by my back door. How about instead of setting it up where every day I go get a black coffee from Starbucks, what if the night before, because I like iced coffee, I brew a cup of coffee and put the iced coffee in the fridge? And then in the morning, I already have a cup out. All I do is put ice in it and pour my cup of coffee in. And then when I drive to work, 
I have a route that gets me to work that does not drive me past a Starbucks. What if I just put the cup out and every day I say, I am going to drive across Herndon and take the back roads. All of a sudden, the habit of spending $4 a day on iced coffee is now very easy to avoid. Does that, I feel like that's a really good example of both implementing making obvious habits or good habits obvious and making bad habits difficult. And exactly. And what I was going to say is not only replacing uh, the the bad habit with a potentially better habit, but also like you just mentioned, taking a different route to work that doesn't take you past the Starbucks on Palm and Herndon, also changing your environment, changing your location, Right. right? So that you're not even driving you're not even your eyes aren't even seeing it you're not even even anywhere near it exactly right to where if you were going through the back roads you would have to drive all the way back across to the main road to to go and get the black coffee from starbucks right right i think this is key so let's make that our first section so rule number one make it obvious rule number two make it attractive so I'm apologizing because I am reviewing some of these notes. Unfortunately, again, we didn't write all this out how we would have said it. We didn't follow our habit of preparing podcast notes this week. So (laughs) here here we are trying to catch up a little bit. So here's my example. (laughs) Make it attractive. Make it something that you would want to do normally that's maybe not perfect habit and transform it. So, for example, I really like spending time with Kayla. We have made a habit because we want to lose weight is we go on a walk every morning. That also forces me to wake up early. But the good news is I get to have the conversations one-on-one with no technology that I always want to have on those walks. So you have to make the harder habit more attractive. Typically, the best way to do that is to, to add something that you really like. If you really like maybe listening to a certain podcast, maybe you only listen to that podcast when you're doing physical exercise. Maybe you can only watch TV if you have already finished a certain task, right? So you you prime yourself with a harder habit by saying, I can also do something I like now. We have to give some kind of reward now. Yeah, and not to jump the gun again, but this is the second example where it's been brought up. The first one being, right, when we go back to to verbalizing it, right, when one of us, when both of us are in the office and one of us verbalizes to the other, hey, I'm going to do my follow-up, you know, is that going to interfere with anything you're doing, right? Not only affirming to yourself that, okay, I'm going to sit down for the next hour or two hours to sit down and do my follow-up, but also verbalizing it and having an accountability partner on the other side, right? You just mentioned your uh, morning walks with Kayla, right? Having that accountability partner to go out and now be, do that good habit with you, right? So the importance of having an accountability partner, we've talked about it endless amount of times on the podcast, but being able to tie that in to this book, right? And being able to have that accountability partner to one, either help you grow a good habit or two, even help you break a bad habit, I think is really good and really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And for another example, because we've been using a lot of fitness stuff and health stuff because you and I have been working on that. We've kind of been focused on it. But let's talk about something in business. If you're having a hard time getting yourself to do your follow-up calls, right? Because sometimes lead generation is easier than follow-up because you're thinking, Mm -hmm. I'll find new business instead of I'm going to talk to the same leads again and again. Maybe you say to yourself, when I'm done with follow-up, I can pack up my bags and go home early, right? 
if you have done everything you need to do that day, that's a really attractive task that I'm going to get this done and then I can leave. You've made that task attractive. Or maybe for example, um, if I do an hour of follow-up phone calls, I can spend five minutes or 10 minutes on TikTok, right? Take a 10 minute break because you and I are notoriously, we track our time very, very you know, thoroughly. Mm -hmm. That might be something that would be helpful. And you and I mm -hmm. both enjoy funny videos on TikTok, right? But we know that it's not good for our business. Yeah, we shouldn't be sitting there for an hour on TikTok when we should be do it, spending an hour or two on our follow-up. <laughs> right. Now, here's a follow-up on that. You can't make the reward inverse to what you just did. So, for example, my house, we have a problem. When we go on a hard... If we do a hard workout, sometimes we'll say, we get a bowl of ice cream for doing our hard workout. That is not a good reward in this case because we are taking our good work on our physical and health our, our, our uh, physical activity and health, and we are taking something that's bad for it. Instead, we should say, okay, if we've done this, you know, and we have, you know, done our workout and whatnot, we can now watch an episode of whatever, right? We set it up with something that is not immediately tied to what our goal was. If my goal was to get healthier, you can't eat a bowl of ice cream. You have now not made a 1% gain. You've made a zero-sum gain. That's right. a really, really interesting point, too. And I think people people don't usually think about that, right? If you're going out and trying to build this good habit, take it, you know, going to the gym, trying to work out more consistently. If you then pair that with the bad habit, the example you, you used, ice cream, right? Then that become those two separate things then become a whole you know, habit in and of itself, right? Your brain and your routine after doing that enough times, those two things are now synonymous. Every time you go to the gym, I, I get, get ice cream. cream. Exactly. And now what you've done, if you, it, you've just thrown out the good habit down the drain, if you're pairing it with that bad habit, that is just going to spiral it down all the way. Right? So it, in reality, if, if you're building a good habit, great, Right. But you can really destroy all of that progress and destroy all of the potential from that by pairing it with a bad habit, like eating ice cream every time after the gym. Right. And your whole goal here is just to make your habit that you want to do more attractive. I have a spending problem. So I'll send, I'll say another one. Maybe a goal is I want to like work on the yard, right? Maybe, or clean the house. Maybe I set it up that if I spend my Saturday morning improving the house, doing home renovation, maintenance, and cleaning, if I spend from 8 until 11 a.m. on that, I get 15 bucks that I can spend on whatever I want. If I want to go out to lunch, great. If I want to use it on, you know, some toy, you know, great. But I get 15 bucks because I'm super money motivated. I know that. So as long as I don't have a goal to spend less money, that's a great reward for me. Yeah. So inverse of it, make it not attractive. If I eat a bowl of ice cream, I have to clean all of the dishes. If I watch an episode of TV, I have to go sweep the whole pool, right? You have to then make bad habits that aren't getting you towards your goals unattractive by making it something that you don't like to do. If I want to watch TV, I have to go on a walk, whatever it is. You have to incentivize yourself the opposite way. De-incentivize yourself. So if you want to do something, you make it easy and attractive and obvious. If you want to make it a habit that you don't do, you make it difficult, hard to do, and hard to find.
Yeah, and I think it's an important thing to keep in mind too. At the end of the day, especially for something like this where you're making it unattractive, you've got to be you've got to take responsibility, right? So if you do do that thing, you all, all, go and do the thing that you told yourself you were going to, you know, punish yourself by doing. Like exactly like you said, if um I eat a bowl of ice cream, then I have to go sweep the pool or I have to go scrub the toilets or go clean a, another part of the house. Right. Right. But at, at the end of the day, you still have to take responsibility because if you do that thing and then you don't take responsibility, I mean, it, yeah, the habit in the cycle is never going to be broken. Right. At the end of the day, the responsibility is on you. So if you tell yourself, if I do this, I've now got to do this, make sure you're going and doing that other yeah. this. Right. Well, I'm going to bring up something that Dean brought up in our last podcast. If you're an adult, nobody gives a shit about what you're doing. You are in charge of being accountable for yourself. Now, look, I'm happy that I have you in my life. I have mentors. I have parents. I have grandparents. I have Kayla. I have a group of people who pay attention, right? And who do call out shit when I'm not doing it how they know I want it to do or how they know I want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you're an adult, though, you need to be accountable to yourself. If you say... I am going to do the dishes if I eat a bowl of ice cream and you eat a bowl of ice cream. That's on you, dude. I don't care who in your life cares. They're not going to call you out on that because that's a rule you made for yourself. Write it out. Maybe when you eat a bowl of ice cream, you eat it in the kitchen. That's what I do, right? Because I don't want to be seen. Put up a sign that you can see. If you eat a bowl of ice cream, you have to clean the dishes. Make it obvious, right? You're in charge of getting yourself to do it. This is on you. So... Yeah, I, I appreciate that you brought that up because if you don't follow through on the bad habit or on the punishment to the bad habit, this isn't going to work. It defeats the whole purpose of attempting to break the bad habit because if you've been if you've been trying to break it by doing you know the same exact thing or by not doing something, then it's not going to break. Yeah. Now, we talked about priming a little bit here, but we're going to talk about this. So the first two rules were make it obvious and make it attractive. The, the next one is make it easy. I'm going to call it priming because making stuff easy to me, is making it obvious, right? So it's it's being intentional. So I'm going to set up a habit where every time I finish something, I want to prime my next habit. For example, putting a book on your bed after making your bed. You're priming your brain that when I walk in the room, I'll see it and I'll read. When I get home from work, my gym shoes and clothes are sitting right there. So I know when I get home, I have to step over my stuff that tells me to go to the gym before I can get to my TV, right? Mm -hmm. So you're setting up uh, different cues. Or for example, that's why adults, a lot of the times they'll use um, uh, like screen time locks because yeah. you can still disarm it, but you're making it not easy and you're making it difficult. And it's a reminder. You have to actively step over something to get to something that you originally didn't want to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. You you use some great examples. The, the first example I thought of was also a gym example, right? If there is a route you can take to work, right? There, there's a route I can take to work uh, to and from work, right? Where I'm driving home and I drive right past the gym in order to get home, right? So if I take that route that I have to drive home past the gym, you know, on my way home from work, I, you know, I've already got my clothes in the back. I, I bring them at the beginning of the day, right? But if I'm driving home past the gym and I've got my stuff and making it easy, right? I'm right here. I'm. It's on the way. I don't have to go out of my way. It's on the way to where I'm already going after the gym, right? Yep. So being able to make things easy that way. Um, like, you, 
I'm thinking of another real estate example to use. If you know you are needing to come in and lead generate in the morning, right? And you're coming into the office, making it easy, making sure your Bluetooth headset is plugged in and charged the, the day before and it's sitting right there on your desk when you come in in the morning. So in order to place your laptop down, you have to grab those Bluetooth headphones, moving out of the way, put your laptop down and you know, okay, now I've got to sit down and do my lead generation. Right? Even, yeah, even on top of that, when you open up your computer, you have it on start, open up your whatever software you use for prospecting. For mm -hmm. us, we're in a follow-up phase of our business. We follow up more than we prospect. Mm -hmm. We have ours where in our calendar, we get a Google calendar prompt that it's time to do follow-up, right? So you first do your emails. And then when we're done with our emails, we have our follow-up. And then once we finish our follow-up, then we can do the other things that are important to our day. Yeah, that's really, I think that's a really important point to note too for making it easy. Google Calendar, right? Throwing it in, make it a reoccurring thing every single weekday, Make giving yourself a five minute reminder so that it's popping up on your phone, it's popping up on your laptop. Oh, it's, it's follow like up. a call in point. You're saying, I'm <laughs> exactly. going to do follow up. Uh huh. I, I like that. We've kind of covered that a little bit with our other points. So yeah. I'm going to leave keeping it easy there. Yep. Again, if you want to do the opposite, make things difficult, put your phone on do not disturb from all of your friends, put it in work mode or whatever. If you want to do things for yourself, focus on making all outside distractions difficult. This is why riders lock themselves in hotel rooms and hide themselves from the world when they need to get something done. Because what they're doing is limiting how other things can get to them, like how easy things can get to them. Okay, the cardinal rule. The last rule is make it, satis make it immediately satisfying. I brought up earlier that almost every good habit is a long-term slow drip delay and every bad habit is very immediate eating ice cream sitting on your ass and not doing chores are all immediately satisfying keeping your house nice getting in shape and eating healthy and educating yourself all these things are going to be compound interest but they take time to actually be satisfying the only thing that we can really recommend here is tie immediate gratification to the hard tasks if I go to the gym, make it attractive, right? So make it easy, attractive, and obvious, but make it satisfying. Like how we talked about, if you are somebody who really, really likes to listen to a certain podcast, don't listen to it unless I'm working out, right? If I really, really like a certain type of food, uh, but it's maybe not as healthy, find something that I can eat that's super healthy and then give a very small portion of that other food. You're still you're breaking the rule of tying th something that's you know inversely tied to your goal, but you have to find a way to make it satisfying. Nobody really likes eating kale. That's just not a thing. But yeah. maybe when you eat kale, you can go, uh, you know, play a round of video games. Whatever it is, right? You have to tie it to something immediately satisfying, like a dog. Yes, <laughs> you know exactly. You have to yeah. reward yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any really good examples? No, I think you you hit on that well. I think um, the all four of these you know main pillars, main points. I think we've tied in a lot of actionable examples. We've tied in you know a, a lot of putting it plain and simple out there for you guys. So no, no, no further thoughts on that one. You wrap that up nice. Cool, that's rare. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about a couple things to actually implement it. Now that we've yes. talked about how you build out a. a, a habit how do you implement this 
This is the key part. And we've touched on it already more than a few times. First step is to actually write down all your habits. It's really hard to do because good habits are completely internalized and you don't think about it. When you have your alarm go off, you wake up. Once you turn off your alarm, you get up. Then you scroll on your phone or whatever. You go, you go to the bathroom, you uh, shower, you whatever, right? You have a whole morning routine. Go through to the best of your ability and write down everything in a column of what you do in a day. Good and bad, anything that you can think of that you do every day or that you do very frequently. Then on a separate column, you're going to go through and label it good, bad, or neutral. These are not very good terms because there's no such thing as a good habit or a bad habit. They're just habits that lead you to different end results. So is it helping get me towards goals that I like or not? For example, did I wake up early? That is a thing I do every day. I want to be a productive person. That's a good habit. But then showering. Yeah, we want to be cleanly, but that's really, it's a neutral habit. Scrolling on my phone before I get out of bed. Bad habit, right? I don't want to be on my phone in the morning. So you're, you have to first start by identifying what habits you have. Yeah, I think the minute you either write or verbalize all of these things, good and bad, it, it, it takes it up a level of importance in your mind, right? Because you could be sitting there, right? And it just be indifferent, right? Like you said, if I wake up, my alarm goes off, I scroll on my phone, great. That's just part of the day. But with, the minute you write these things and like you mentioned you know put them in two separate columns and actually write okay oh crap yeah i did that nah, probably not good bad right right or verbalizing them or a combination of both complementary right the minute you do that is the minute you know that it goes up in importance the the minute that it now is able to go and take actionable actionable steps from those things um the things that are tracked are improved so if you're not even able to acknowledge you have these habits, hard for you to change them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and this just reminded me, it may be a good book to do down the road too. It, it when you were talking about, you know, writing these things down, right. Is I want to shout out uh, another book, the miracle morning, because this is, it, it's exactly tying into what we were talking about, right. Being able to take these things and write them down. You know, when I wake up, I'm going to make my my bed. After I make my bed, I'm going to read two pages, 10 pages of X book. After I read X pages of X book, I'm going to go brush my teeth. After I brush my teeth, I'm going to get ready. You know, being able to write these things down yep. or verbalize them is going to be really important for implementation. Absolutely. So now that you've acknowledged and you've called out what you're doing, you've acknowledged these are what are getting me towards my goals and these are not. Now it's time to build out a means to actually implement. So we're going to go through a couple examples. The easiest thing for me to think of is habit stacking, which is it, it uses the, the power of cues to get you to do habits. So we've talked about a couple different ones. For example, I get home from work every day. If I want to go to the gym more often or I want to whatever, I can set up my gym bag and clothes right at my front door because I know where I'm going to walk in my door. When I walk in, I will immediately see the clothes. That's a cue that should then remind me. It may not make it a craving, but it's a reminder that I should go to the gym. After we've gone to the gym enough times, you, you start to actually crave going and working out. But this is 
you know, if you're trying to build the habit every day when I get home, I'm going to see my clothes and my water and everything set out. Mm -hmm. I've made it easy, obvious and attractive. When I go to the gym, when I get back, I can play video games. Boom. I've just set up a new habit every day. I do that. And so every time you have an old habit, that's good. Tie it to a new habit. That's going to help get you better. When I walk out, right. Cause I have to go to work every day after I've done my morning routine and I'm done. So for example, I put my clothes on and I'm going to work. I'm going to walk into the kitchen. There will be a cup. There will be coffee in the fridge. I will fill my cup with ice, pour the coffee in, and then I will walk out the door. I have now cued myself off of all the habits I do every morning to now not go to Starbucks, right? It's interesting because at the end of the day, like this whole thing, talking about habits, it's it's real. It comes down to a science, right? In a in a sense, being able to uh, a process, right? It, an operation, right? With with all of these things, good or bad, right? So being able to take this incremental growth, being able to take that compounding growth and build it into a habit where, like you said, you know, if it's one percent better every single day at the end of the year, thirty-seven times better. Right. And you made a point using it, you know, a gym example again, after enough times, after enough of that incremental growth, after enough of that compounding growth to build that habit. Now, now it is truly a habit. It's routine, right? You now that habit that was so hard in the very beginning actually gives you that dopamine being able to go like being able to go and crave going to the gym and you're going to feel better and crave eating healthier, right? All of these things after enough of uh, enough of this time where it's hard in the process, right? We're <laughs> obviously we all know that, right? It's right, it's not right. easy to build a good habit and it's not easy to break a bad habit, right? But after enough of that incremental stuff, after implementing a lot of these tips, tricks, all of these things outlined in the book, then it truly becomes a good habit and it truly becomes breaking a bad habit. Yeah, you're, and I'll give you a word to describe what you just said. It's called the plateau, uh, oh, the plateau growth plate, or I know there's literally a term for it. I had it in my head, and then right when I went to say it, the plateau of latent potential. You go to the gym for a month, you're not going to look great. Not much is going to change. You go to the gym for six months, you're going to look a lot different. You go to the gym for six years, you're going to look a lot different, right? You have to understand that it takes time. We preach consistency all day long. Everything in life takes time. Everything good. If you come into the office and you cold call for one day, that's not enough. But if you set up a habit of every time you come in the office, you close the door and cold call for an hour every single weekday, and you do that for six months, you will make money. And so you have to get past that plateau of latent potential. That work you put in didn't go nowhere it just got you closer to that plateau where you will break through, right? That's what makes it hard, right? Because, and that's where a lot of people get stuck and stop, especially in this business, right? You give it, you know, maybe longer than a day. A new investor comes in and they call for a month, which in grand scheme of things, a month is nothing, right? You sit down, okay, great. You were consistent coming in and making your lead generation calls for two hours a day, every day for a month, right? But in this business, it takes more than a month to see that delayed gratification, to see the fruits of your labor, to see all of those seeds that you're planting start to grow. 
Yep. Right. So I think that's important for people to recognize and understand. Like you mentioned, all of this stuff, nothing good just happens overnight. Yeah. Right. Outside of winning the lottery. But, you know, we're not talking about that. So <laughs> and nothing bad happens right in that day, usually. So keep in mind, you could be doing well on something, but if you take a step backwards, you're not improving by 1%. And the same is true for decreasing by 1%. Mm -hmm. If you're a millionaire, but you have a deficit in your spending, you have a problem. If you're broke, but you're saving money each month, you're on a good trajectory. Focus, and this is why they say don't focus on goals, focus on also where you're headed. So in, in this example, you might have called for a month. That's great. You actually did the tasks that will make you rich. But if you give up because you didn't see the results right away, then you have now set yourself up for failure by quitting too early. Yeah. Yeah. I think the book as a whole, you know, per per usual with uh, a lot of the books we've covered is being, ap ac being able to go in and actually read uh, you know, the physical copy of this book or listen to the actual book itself. It's going to, you know, cover more things than we can, you know, cover in our normal time length podcast. Um, but I, I think this one, especially, and I know we say that almost every time, but this one, especially go and read the book, go and listen to the full book because yeah, you preached it, right? Everything comes down to, if you want to see the success, you've got to come in, do the work that you know you're supposed to do and do it consistently, right? And yeah. that in itself is a habit. Coming in, doing the tasks you know you need to do and doing it consistently. Coming in the next day and doing the same exact Easy, uh, easy, uh, and attractive. If you guys don't read every single book that we recommend, that's okay. I understand that not everybody has motivations for aspirations in certain things. Maybe you don't want motivations for aspirations in certain things. Maybe you don't want to be a good negotiator. That might not be your thing. Every single person wants to have good habits. It will make you better. This is a book I think is a non-negotiable. If you're having a hard time picking up a book, please buy this one every morning when you're done making your bed, put the book on your bed, start reading it, set up a way, maybe on Audible, Maybe you're going to read it in your car when you're driving. Please take the time to read it. It will change your life. Yeah, I think this one, like you mentioned at the very beginning, we've covered some books that fall into a specific category that may not match um, what some of our listeners you know, may be interested in or may... Right? This book encapsulates... to do. Exactly, right? This book encapsulates... Encapsulates. Encapsulates. There we go everything right no matter what industry you're in no matter what job you have like you said everybody wants to build good habits go buy the book go read the book go implement the book non-negotiable all right guys thanks for tuning in for another week of the podcast i think Caden are both fired up about this one we're looking forward to having more good guests coming up we have some special surprises people from the team people that you guys have heard about but maybe have never seen on camera Keep an eye out, and if you guys have, uh, so keep an eye out, and if you guys have any book recommendations, Cade and I are constantly asking people for book recommendations, but we'd love to hear what you guys are reading or what you're finding uh, interesting, so we can talk about it on the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Bye.